What's up, guys? This is CJ from the teaching team at The Fold, and you are listening to At Coffee with The Fold. I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us this week as we take a deep dive into conversations that are relevant for our community. This podcast features guests from inside our community, from outside our community, who have something important to say and share that's relevant for our formation into the likeness of Jesus as we pursue the healing and wholeness of Jesus by finding home, family, and purpose. All right, guys, welcome back to At Coffee with the Fold. Um, We are closing out our series on... Help, I'm a Hypocrite, uh, where we've been re-examining the Stone series and the Ten Commandments um, and doing a deeper dive in these things that we've talked about thus far, toxic relationships, rest, what to do with the feelings of hypocrisy in general. Um, and I, I know for me, this has been a pretty helpful conversation, even as uh, we've been talking, Chelsea, there have been a lot of things that I've realized through the conversation um, that I think have illuminated some things for me. So now we're looking at the last five commandments, and and this is where we really see a transition in the commandments where it's not talking about um, the relationships or ideas that influence my life as much, but it's talking about the things I actually do. Right, so so this is where we see um, behavior patterns that are toxic. This is where we see the clear and obvious sin. So we're talking about murder, lying, theft, adultery, and coveting. The last five commandments. So these are the places that I look at my life and I see patterns of sin that are connected to these things. So um, I don't know about you guys, but as I was going through. Um, the last half of the Stone series, I definitely noticed unhealthy patterns in my life, patterns where I still have sins and things that I uh, tolerate that I absolutely shouldn't, that aren't in line with the ethic of the kingdom of God. Um, So the first question we want to deal with today, um, Chelsea, is what do I do when I notice not just a feeling of hypocrisy, but now when I notice I have a behavior that is toxic and is sinful, and it's a pattern in my life that I can't seem to get rid of. What do I do with that? Yeah, and I love that you said the word tolerate. You recognize mm. there are patterns of behavior, patterns of, of sin, and it's hard sometimes to go from the conviction that we might feel from a message on a Sunday or listening to another podcast or something mm. like that <laughs> And we feel, maybe we feel the Lord showing us something. What do I actually do with that? And Mm -hmm. highlighting that I'm tolerating things in my life and those things need to change. And I think, you know, when I'm in a counseling session with a client or um, with a couple and I'm really, we're seeking to do two things. I'm really seeking to help them make immediate practical changes. There's a practical level Mm -hmm. where some things need to be different and there's a commitment to doing things differently. Mm -hmm. And we have to start there. And there's a deeper level, um, a longer, more processing level where uncovering, discovering those patterns and asking the question, why? 
and really seeing those things unfolding across your life you know are there patterns that have a root in an experience Mm -hmm. are there patterns that have a root in a belief something that was said to you the way that you started to view the world or Mm -hmm. yourself and so those are deeper questions and those things we know those things take more time yeah Um, so there's really those two different layers two different um, paths or, or levels that we're really exploring this practical side that says I need to make changes mm-hmm. in my life so that I'm no longer tolerating sin and behavior mm-hmm. that's not good or healthy. And this other layer level path that says this requires deeper work. Yeah, I think that's really important because that resists kind of the dual urges of humanity, but especially our current culture, um, where one side is deal with the sin um, and just get control of your behaviors, right? Um, That has been called moralistic therapeutic deism, um, Mm. the term that's been given to that where I don't actually – I have very little imagination that God can heal me. I just think that my belief in God should change my behaviors. So that's what I focus Mm -hmm. on. Moralistic, therapeutic, I feel better because I don't do bad things, and deism, God's not actually involved in my life. He just tells me what to do. Um, And that doesn't lead to any sort of real transformation or healing. It just leads to um, slightly less bad Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, But the other side is what um, we might call antinomianism, which that's kind of an ancient heresy that believes that uh, my actions don't really matter, that only my inner world matters. Mm -hmm. Um, It's connected to Gnosticism. um, And it's also very prevalent in our culture right now where um, it's easy for us to say, you know what, I spend so much time worrying about my behaviors, so and that winds up in just legalism and judgment. I'm just going to focus on my inner world. Um, and as long as I can find healing and wholeness, then maybe my behaviors will come along, but maybe not. The point is just for me to find peace somewhere on the inside. Both of those ideas are rejected in Scripture and in the mm-hmm. life of Jesus because Jesus says those sins are killing you, they're toxic, they're harmful, but also inner healing is core, um, essential to the path of a transformed life. You can't just change your behaviors. You can't muscle yourself into being different. Um, You have to experience inner transformation. But inner transformation should actually lead to a life that does not have the same degree of toxicity from sin that we have lived before. So... So it seems like we've got two paths that we need to talk about, um, and it's easy to, to think of this in like, okay, what's the first step to dealing with a toxic behavior? But it seems to me like actually there are two first steps, you know? There are two things that we need to do and not view them in a hierarchical order. But let's start the conversation by asking, what are the practical things I should do if I found out that I have a pattern of lying or I have a pattern of lust or... Uh, maybe I'm not murdering people, but I've got a lot of anger and I can see the connection there. Um, I've got a toxic, sinful pattern in my life. What are the practical steps that I should take to notice and limit the damage from that behavior? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say the first step can be a little bit different depending on you know what you recognize that sin pattern is, what you're, that you're tolerating. Uh, but one of the first steps is asking why even in this path Mm -hmm. so even asking you know what are the 
situations where I find mm. myself lying. Mm-hmm. Who are, am I lying to, am I lying about big things? Is there a big lie that I've been holding to in my life and mm-hmm. all of the people in my life? Or do I find myself lying to this person? Yeah. You know, it's mm. kind of asking more about that situation and, and committing to change. And so in that, that might be a, a next step, mm-hmm. but first step, identifying really what does this look like in my life um, when it comes to anger or the position of your heart that would lead you to the action of murder, mm-hmm. you know, or the, um, the position of your heart in uh, lust that would lead you to adultery, something like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, identifying our emotions is such a powerful thing. I think we have begun to value our emotions and recognizing them more and more mm-hmm. um, in our culture today. But being able to name your emotion changes the way that you feel it and it changes hmm. the experience of it for you. Yeah, It's not controlling you any longer. You are aware of it. Mm-hmm. And your awareness of it mm. changes what you can do with it. Yeah. So when I feel so many things, but then I'm able to pull them apart and say, I feel anger and frustration and bitterness, then I'm able to say, okay, I, I feel these things and, and the way that I feel them is valid. Right? Mm-hmm. We validate our emotions, but then I have to do something with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm responsible for what I do with them. Sure, yeah. So it's, I always tell my clients, it's okay to be angry, mm-hmm. but what you do in your anger is what matters. Yeah. yeah. I am responsible for my actions and my words in my emotions. Yeah. And I think that is the, those are the first step moments mm-hmm. in that pathway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. It makes me think of um, when, um, there's a, there's a pastor I know, Hank Williams, who will talk about uh, starving the sources of sin. Mm. Um, so when you notice, when you begin to notice and be curious about um, the emotions that trigger actions, um, then you can find the situations that trigger those actions and you can avoid those situations. Yes. Right. So if, if you're noticing, hey, um, lust or pornography or um, lying, these are toxic. I, I believe that they're toxic and they're hurting me. Um, they, I need to get this out of my life to the best of my ability, then I can remove the triggers, basically. But that doesn't happen unless you have a degree of curiosity, right? Sure. I remember I had a friend in college, you know, who was struggling, um, struggling with pornography in a significant way. Um, and at one point, he finally took a baseball bat to his computer. <laughs> and he said, uh, I'm just going to write papers in the library. No mm-hmm. more all-nighters, right? I'm going to work within the reasonable hours of schoolwork um, wow. because I don't want to deal with this addiction anymore. Obviously, you cannot realistically live without a computer for your whole life, and that's not the idea here. Like, We're not saying that this is a boundary that's enforceable forever, but he was acknowledging that this is a toxic thing, and until you get rid of this, um, you're going to continually have this tox- this toxicity in your life. Yeah. You know, you think of someone who's uh, struggling with alcoholism. For a while, for a season, it is very healthy and right for a person who's an alcoholic to say, I'm not going to be around alcohol. 
right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to a restaurant that serves alcohol. I'm going to ask my friends to put it away when I go over to their house, right? right? Like that's a reasonable thing to ask. But eventually you're going to want to go to the Cracker Barrel and now they serve alcohol. You know what I mean? Like it's not realistic to imagine that I will never be able to be around a drink again. Right. But it's a boundary that is needed in the moment to starve the source um, to get rid of the thing that's triggering this this sinful behavior. And you bring up a good point, really. The degree of intensity of that sin pattern mm-hmm. shows us the degree of commitment and change that sure, needs to happen. Yeah. Right, that it's how intense and the degree of that intensity shows us the degree of change that needs to happen yeah. for your friend he needed that Mm -hmm. really big Mm -hmm. shift in his life to Mm -hmm. say, my time needs to change, the locations I am doing work in need to Mm -hmm. change, my access to things needs to dramatically Mm -hmm. change. Um, And so maybe we have one of those sin patterns in our life that requires that of us for Mm -hmm. a season. Mm -hmm. Um, Just like alcoholics and and drug-addicted individuals go to rehab so they can be in spaces that give them... Mm -hmm the time that they need to be outside of Mm -hmm. their current patterns outside of their current life. Yeah. Yeah. And this takes, like you talked about earlier, it takes a lot of honesty and, um, and curiosity and intentionality towards our sin and our patterns. This is kind of the second path going into that a little bit. They're hard to differentiate. Um, but It's easy for us, I think, to say, I don't want to be the type of person that would have to break my computer. Right. So we're not honest with ourselves. You know, like Mm. we'll say like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I've got a drinking problem, but I don't need to go to rehab. You know, it's like it's just I will just and it comes from self-judgment. It comes from legalism, a whole bunch of other things. But without the ability to be honest and graceful and curious with ourselves where we can and, and to be honest about sin. You know what I mean? If I'm if I actually see alcoholism poisoning my life. Right then I'll go to rehab. If I mm-hmm. actually see pornography poisoning my mind, mm-hmm. then I, I will break my computer um, rather than finding a way to veil the significance and the extremity of that sin and that struggle. So honesty and curiosity are always going to be part of starving the sources, getting rid of the triggers um, that lead me into that pattern. So, And, and I think it's worth pointing out that not drinking because I haven't had access to a drink doesn't mean I'm healthy now. Right, right. But a first it, step. But it's an ab- absolutely a first step, right? And it, it allows me to begin doing the inner work that would say, why am I dependent on alcohol as a crutch mm-hmm. um, so that you can get to a place Right. And this is what we talked about earlier, the difference between the extremes of moralistic therapeutic deism and antinomianism is moralistic therapeutic deism says never own a computer again so mm-hmm. that you don't look at porn. But it never says get healthy. Right. Right. And antinomianism says like become at peace with your struggles and the lies you believe and find inner healing, but never get rid of your computer. Right. And Jesus right. kind of says, let's do both. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's part of it. Um, do you think that there's a role for accountability? 
um, and other people in practically bringing change to our toxic behaviors? Absolutely. And I think in both paths, right, in both veins, because we've talked about that first step and Mm -hmm. that curiosity, that honest evaluation. And maybe I can do that for myself or maybe I have to do that in relationship. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have to do that in community Mm -hmm. because I can be honest with myself. But, man, is it so easy for me to justify Mm -hmm. my own patterns and my own, you know, explain away why I do the things that I do Mm -hmm. reason with myself. And so having someone in your life who genuinely cares for you, who genuinely understands Mm -hmm. the struggles in your life Mm -hmm. and walks alongside you in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, they know what your daily life looks like. They know what your patterns are or they're open to Mm -hmm knowing what they are. They're open to being that person in your life. Um, And I think that there, I often share with people in my office that having one or two people in your life who know you backwards and forwards, Mm -hmm. up and down your stories, your, Mm -hmm. they could tell your jokes on repeat, whatever that is. They know your childhood experiences. They know that difficult relationship having those one or two people in your life is critical Mm -hmm. for the health of your life because we need other people to walk with us, to grieve with us, to share life with. Mm -hmm. And we need people for this purpose that we're talking about today. People who can sit with us in the patterns of our sin and hold us to the commitments that we are trying to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. In our discipleship curriculum at the Fold Homecoming, mm-hmm. um, one of the lines that we talk about is everybody needs someone who knows everything about you and yes. everything means everything. Yes. Right? Like, and a healthy accountability relationship is not, you know, sometimes I stretch the truth. It is I'm a compulsive liar. I have a hard time differentiating between what's true and a lie in my own mind. Yes. Like, that is the full truth about me. It's not sometimes I struggle with lust or sometimes I get angry. It's in this circumstance at this time of day with this device, like yes, I struggle. Specific. Um, yeah, it's every everything means everything. And obviously that requires trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people in and around the church who have been burned by a yes. lack of trust. Um, so we, we want to understand that, but we also want to be um, intentional and self-aware enough to say that it was it was wrong and harmful for someone to break trust in accountability, but accountability is still crucial, right? Um, uh, Rich Viotis, um, a pastor and author from New York, um, says that oftentimes it's community that harms us, but community that heals us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we will not find healing without community. That doesn't mean you trust the people that broke trust, but it does mean you find someone you can trust. Yes. Um, and you don't cut people off because trust was broken. You have to find a way to trust again because we are, by definition, biologically, by design, communal creatures. Yes. We shrivel up and die when we're left alone. Mm-hmm. We have to have um, help um, and human contact. Um, I also I, I always like to say this when we talk about accountability because I think it's really important. Um, I've been in, yeah, I grew up in youth group, uh, church, 
Christian college. I've been in every type of accountability group you can imagine. Um, most of them didn't work. Um, part of, most of that was my fault. And it was because I thought that as an accountable person, it was just my responsibility to answer the questions that were asked. Mm. Um, so if somebody didn't ask a specific enough question, they certainly weren't going to get a specific enough answer out of me. Um, so I think it's worth say, stating that as I acknowledge the toxicity of my sin and the damage being done there, and I desire to change, that that should motivate me to confess without prompting. It's, it's not the people I trust's responsibility to ask me the tough question. It's my responsibility to confess the tough thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want friends that will ask me the tough question. But if they didn't, that doesn't justify me keeping a secret. Yes. And I think that's really important. Um, is there, there anything else that you would add kind of on the practical, physical side of things to help um, manage unhealthy behavior? Yeah, I think, you know, it's in any, these are going to be very general because in any pattern, any change that we are committing to, Anytime we try to do something different, our natural rhythms are counter to doing Mm -hmm. different things. Sure. I think they say it's 21 days to create a new habit. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I believe it's even longer to break a habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) 90. 90, okay. So significantly longer to break a habit. So when we commit to change, we have to to change some things in our lives Mm -hmm. that allow us to succeed in the new things that we're doing. Yeah. And so maybe that is the, p- the places that we're going. Maybe that is the people that we're around. Or maybe if it's just individual, maybe I'm just checking in with myself mm-hmm. more. So I sure. often encourage people to journal. Um, some people absolutely love this, and they've been doing it for 10 years. Some people hate this <laughs> so much that they... Uh, just sit and, mm-hmm. you know, don't feel like they can put anything on um, in a notes app or on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. But giving yourself the place to pause, whether you're journaling single words, you know, things that have happened across the day or week, um, mm-hmm. I will encourage people to track their emotions, mm. um, track what you feel and what the situations were. Um, or whether you're prayer journaling, you know, whether you're committing to change and you're just expressing the place of your heart before the Lord mm-hmm. um, on a daily or, or a weekly basis. Um, journaling is, is a place where we are forced to, to pause and to do something differently yeah. in reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, I think giving ourselves the upper hand when it comes to being more aware of our emotions Mm -hmm. or things like that is really helpful. So you can go to Mm www.feelingswheel.com and there's a, uh, a feelings wheel that I often reference in my office and you're able to just name it, Mm -hmm. you know, recognize what it is that you're feeling and why. Yeah. So those are our pieces, I think of what you're, of Mm -hmm. what we're describing, but they are, small practical ways that we're able to pause long enough to be curious Mm -hmm. and we're able to begin to do things in a new way that allow us to change those habits and change those patterns that we're seeking Mm -hmm. to break yeah yeah so it seems like um, like we've already said there there is a physical reaction to 
to bringing change um, to toxic behaviors, and then there's this inner reaction that's interrelated. Both are required. Um, we shouldn't prioritize one or, over the other. Um, both are absolutely part of it. And obviously there are more things than what we've said here that could be helpful Definitely. to bring about physical change, but it's the idea that I actually am going to have to do something to manage this toxic behavior because mm -hmm. it's toxic and I, I don't want it running my life in, anymore or running rampant in my life anymore. Right. The other side of that, um, in kind of the, the inner work of examining um, not just what am I doing, but why am I doing it? Um, what would you say, you know, for, on, on this other side of um, of my response to a pattern of mm -hmm. sin? Um, what would you recommend that someone do in that regard? Yeah, I'm just thinking about the exhaustion of looking back across your life and seeing the struggle. Mm -hmm. um, for me, growing up, one of my biggest struggles was lying. Um, it was easy for me to lie. Unfortunately, I became very good at it. Um, and I was lying about some things that mattered and some things that didn't matter at all. But it just became a pattern and mm -hmm. I just lived in it. And like all sin, um, it when it came to light, it had consequences. Yeah. And that I was living with the results of my lying. And I think that I can look back and see damage that was done and I can acknowledge and it it really is asking yourself the question do I want to just keep hearing a message or a sermon or something mm -hmm. that causes me to pause for maybe maybe 10 minutes at the end of end of someone mm -hmm. sharing about the dangers of these things yeah again and again and again mm -hmm. or do I actually want to take the time yeah to do the harder work to mm -hmm. do the harder thing and actually commit my life to doing something mm -hmm. different. And I think the Lord is so gracious to us and he's so good to us in his patience um, with us. But we, in our conviction that the Lord brings, when he highlights these patterns of sin in whatever that is for, for you and for, for myself, I have to be willing to want things to be different. Mm -hmm. And so in that other side of things, in that other path, this deeper work path, I want to look back across my life and see what has this looked like for mm. me? What have been, and maybe I'm just going through it in my mind or maybe I'm writing them down like a timeline, whatever that mm -hmm. is, but I'm really looking at how did this pattern come to be? Why did it come to be? And what do I want to do about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, something that stood out to me as you were talking about this is just that um, it is long and difficult work. Mm -hmm. You talked about how exhausting it is to look back on your life and see patterns. And exhausting to live in those patterns. It's also exhausting to notice those patterns. Um, it makes me think of how, you know, in Scripture, the consistent analogies for change and development are gardening analogies, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and you're talking about, you know, the ancient world where there wasn't like miracle grow and, <laughs> um, you know, tractors and things like that. You're mm -hmm. talking about for someone to raise crops, they had to live n knowing the land and being deeply connected to it, yes. working it with their hands, yes. slow parenting analogies are common in scripture, right? That, 
Um, God is like a father, like a mother. We, we are children. Paul describes um, believers as infants who need to mm, grow up. Yes. But core to that analogy is that you can't, you don't grow up overnight, you know? Um, right. It's a long process. Um, we have to be patient. I, one of the things I'm consistently shocked by is how slow things happen in the Bible. Mm. Um, Jesus spent three years with the disciples and for, you know, two and a half of those years, they really didn't seem to have much concept at all that he was the Messiah. Um, they still didn't get it after he rose from the dead. You know, he had a hundred and I think 170 or so disciples that would have thought of themselves as his direct followers. And in Matthew, when he ascends to heaven, this is like he has risen from the dead. He's mm -hmm. floating into heaven. And it says, many believed and some doubted. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is a slow process and we have to be willing to give ourselves the time and patience. We want immediate results. So we see a toxic behavior. We see a sin pattern and we want it to be over. But uprooting lies that have led to those behaviors requires deep alignment with the truth of who God is and a revelation of the things we have not believed, the things we have incorrectly believed, um, and the lies and wounds that are from our past um, that have led to these behaviors, right? If I'm, if I'm struggling with lying, then I need accountability towards the truth, but I also need to ask, why do I not value truth? You know, and and what is there? It, why do I think I have to control the story all the time? You know, mm -hmm. or if I'm struggling with lust, I need accountability. But I also need to ask, why do I imagine that my validation only comes through this physical experience? Mm -hmm. Right? Like there, and that is a long, difficult process, and we have to be patient with ourselves. I would say, you know, for me. Um, from the pastoral side of things, besides recommending that someone go to counseling and begin an intentional discipling relationship um, with a pastor or with a mentor, someone who's been walking with Jesus for a long time, there aren't a lot of steps outside of the foundational practices of following Jesus that I could give someone to say, this is going to fix it. Mm -hmm. I can just say, be patient and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Yeah. You know, um, yes, spiritual disciplines are going to help. The Enneagram is a really helpful tool. Everybody should go to counseling. Everybody needs someone to disciple them. But really those are just the processes by which we get healthy and we grow in intimacy with Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. And we have to be patient to do that, that work. Anything you'd like to add, Chelsea? I was just thinking... Thank you for inviting me to be part of the conversation. Hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really good. I think I've really enjoyed the whole conversation, and you have added some uh, really really valuable things um, that I I'm glad we're doing this because we've had conversations that I have thought multiple times. Man, I wish more people could hear this, um, and now your wisdom is being shared uh, to the congregation. So thank you for being willing to do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you have heard anything in these podcasts that has brought up questions, um, ask them. 
Um, there's a reason why this podcast is for the community of the fold, so we can continue to wrestle in community with one another. We're gonna we finished our help. I'm a hypocrite series, but pretty soon we're gonna start talking about spiritual disciplines. So we will have another episode out in two weeks. And with that, uh, we love you. There's always a place for you at the fold, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening to At Coffee with the Fold. I hope that this conversation was helpful as you pursue the healing and wholeness of Jesus. If you want to sign up for a Fold group and join community, if you want to attend an event on a Sunday morning, or if you're just looking for the next thing that's coming up that you can join with our community in doing, then make sure you go to thefoldgreenville.org or you follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time.